Will you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Sound like of a deeper voice. It's just my voice is a little hoarse with all week. Um, preaching all week, so I appreciate your prayers. I know people are praying for me. I'll maybe share a couple of things that's happened. I'll wait and see how I feel led with it, but Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, please. Paul says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. May be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you're strengthening your people in their spirit and in their heart, that you are the eternal fountain of living waters. And now we pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would take many who are broken vessels and help them this morning to understand or to hear, to receive your word. That Christ would be glorified in our lives, no matter what we're facing, whatever comes our way. That he would be exalted and lifted up. So this morning, Lord, we praise you for who you are. And we love you because you first loved us. Bless your people, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We want to look this morning at broken vessels for the glory of God. Look what Paul says here in our reading. He says in verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The earthen vessels become broken. Sometimes it's in so, different sicknesses or sometimes they, these things come. Now, I'm not saying God makes you sick. What I am saying is things come and God brings good out of all things that are bad. And what I'm saying is there's power to be shown to the world, the dying world without Christ. There's part of be shown to God's people that God will deal with those, even those who live in sin. Look, we can't expect to be claiming Christ as Lord, smoke like a train, and not expect to get lung cancer. Let's be honest. And yet we know that God, he tells us to go after the temple of the Spirit, your body. And of course, we all at some time, including myself, I don't eat regularly, as you know, and I don't eat properly a lot of the times. I used to, but sometimes I don't. It doesn't help the temple. Sometimes we 
eat more sugary stuff than we should and so on. But nevertheless, God has set things in this word for us to eat and not eat also. To look after our bodies. It's nothing to do with your well-being of your spirit. But God has nevertheless given us this earthen vessel. This flesh you're looking at is an earthen vessel. This flesh is nothing but dust. It came from dust and dust that will return to dust. And this earthen vessel that you're looking at and that I'm looking at, it does get tired. It gets weak. It gets weary. It's old and it gets worn down. But also spiritually we feel weak also at times. We feel mentally weak. We feel spiritually weak. Look, let me give you... Uh, I, I want to watch because obviously there's still children in the meeting. The younger ones are way upstairs, but there's still young ones here. And after Friday evening when we were praying, said we were praying for the sick. Things were happening. And during the preaching of the word, and a man gave his testimony of how he had been brought from witchcraft to Christ and changed the message and I preached on how people feel that they're like a living dog, yet a dog that has breath is... It has still more hope of life than a lion that has died. So a living dog is better than a dead lion. You started to sense among the people, even throughout the week, that there was so many people who were bound. I mean, unbelievably bound. Now these are people who were claiming Christ as Lord and they're bound, but they were bound by man. They were bound by denomination. They were bound by religion. I mean, they were bound to such an extent, these people were under fear. And we didn't realize even to the extent of it. And then there were people who were coming up who were listening to the devil, listening to the lies of the devil. And it was making them ill and dragging them down. You were with me in the prayer line? That is true. The amount of them, and listen, and these people were coming up dressed well, hats on, I'm not saying why you wear a hat or not. I'm not saying anything for it or against it. But they were looking the part. And what these people were saying, you wouldn't have thought it. We had to pray to break this down. And the Lord was coming on people and just wiping them out. It was great. And they're walking away delighted and healed. There were some coming up to us and saying, I have sinned before God. And they went, whoa, whoa, I'm not your priest. Don't confess to me. But I need to confess. And, and he started confessing. And confess, man. And he started confessing. He, he started, his life was broken. But yet everyone thought that he was this. He was, a, he was a good Christian man. And I said, I don't want to know. Don't tell us. And, and, and whenever we prayed with him and he came back to God, he says, I have been backslidden for years and nobody knew it. You can still be in the church and backslidden. And you can be broken and think God won't want you back. And that's a lie from the devil. God is married to the backslider. You're still his. He loves you. And Friday evening, after we'd finished, I will tell you the truth. I nearly got Alison to drive me a new car and then I thought about it and I thought, no, I managed to get home. <laughs> and she's a good driver, by the way. 
have to go home. I have to remember this. <laughs> and whenever we, whenever we got home, I was exhausted. But you know, that most of the night I couldn't sleep. And I came under such an attack. I haven't mentioned it to anybody but Alison. Spiritually, I felt hell on me. And in the meeting, I called out a dark prince that's overholding my gashal area, and things started to break. You were that night, weren't you there? Kevin and others, you were. Things started to break, and you felt it breaking down, calling it out in Jesus' name, from the pulpit, calling it out during preaching. Now, Christ, Jesus is greater than Satan and sin, and Satan to Jesus must by. And the Spirit just came on me, and it says, there's a demonic prince, and I started calling it out, and breaking it in Jesus' name, and people started to break. And this wee boy was healed. All of this was happening, but you see, salvation is completely free in Christ. But anointing, it costs. I was in agony all, the whole night. There wasn't one part of me, I was near crying with pain. I didn't tell Alison. And she woke, was woke up as well. And she woke up one part of the night and actually went around our house praying. I never told her anything. She woke up with us. And I was just lying in bed. Next morning, I couldn't get out of bed. I was sick. I'm praying for the sick that night. And I couldn't walk my legs. And I was wrecked. And I couldn't hardly wake up. And whenever I fancy I woke up, I couldn't move my hips. I couldn't move my head. I was like just trying to turn around. I was like, oh. And I says, what's wrong with you? I says, there's like something squeezing me. I says, stood on me during the night, crushing me. And I felt the darkness of it. My wee wife put her arms around me and started praying for me. And I broke it. I managed to get out and eat a big burger. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't. I was wrecked. And she just didn't say, Lord, will you bless my hubby? She put her arms around me. And she cried for me. Poured out her heart before God. I, honestly, I was wrecked. I just felt like, I thought I was going to die. Pains. So I'm seeking the Lord. I says, Lord, what is this? He told me. He says, son, this costs. But it's for the good. It's for the good. And so I thought, broken vessels. I felt broken. Wrecked. I mean, exhausted. Tired. But in agony. Damaged. We prayed, as I said, for people with different ailments. I felt like they were all, like the devil was trying to lay every one of them on me. And I went, oh. my wife went, uh-uh, no way. It's not happening here. <laughs> and you know, we've come through a lot. And we've had to put up with things where we are in our own family of deaths. And, and it's been hard to pray for sick when your owner dies. Not because you don't want them healed, you do for faith and belief I'm talking about but Lord they're all dying my own and these are being healed and the Lord told me at the time son you just keep praying you don't heal them I do because you don't save and I do and when they're not healed it's not my they're not my fault (laughs) I leave up with God brothers and sisters no matter how broken you are it's not at who you are it's it's when you're at your lowest and at your weakest It's that the excellency of the power of God might be known. 
Because when you're weak, it's only then you're going to realize how strong he is. And, and, and our flesh wants to take the glory. But only he deserves the glory. And it's only him that can do these things. And Paul tells us that, he says, look, he says, whenever we are broken, he says, we treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. So well, if we realize in our own weaknesses, we're absolutely nothing. Absolutely can do nothing. Can't save ourselves. Neither can we heal ourselves. But when it happens, we see that not only is salvation of the Lord, the excellence of his power is of God and not of us, who saves us and keeps us, but also the healing power of God is not of us. It's of him who heals and it's not of us. And so sometimes when we're in a broken state, whether it be physically or mentally or spiritually, here's something to take note here. Sometimes we condemn ourselves because it hasn't got better for someone. It's not your fault. We pray and trust, and if God's going to do it, then he's going to do it. But, and we seek God for him, but it isn't the person's fault. And God doesn't love you any less if you're feeling lower down or ill. You know, whenever my father died, I had someone come to me and say to me that it was my fault my dad died. I hadn't enough faith. I'm a bit longer in the tooth than that, but anybody else that may have destroyed them. Sat and told me this. It's your fault. You should have had the faith. It's not your fault. And if you're ill, it's not your fault. Unless you're purposely sinning and you're saying, well, I'm going to be taking, say, smoking and 40 cigarettes a day or whatever. If you get bad cough and lung cancer, that's because you're doing this. So in this, what we have to look at is, what is God doing in your life now? How you're feeling or whatever's happening to you? God doesn't love you any less. Listen, here's one of the things I told almost I'll not say who most of them were, but a lot of, and I'm, I have to admit, they were nearly all women, but one, maybe one or two men. We were praying after 11 o'clock at night. They were just kept coming. And one of the things were, was they didn't know, these are Christians now, they didn't know the Lord loved them. And they didn't know the assurance of salvation, some of them. That they were Christ's. Brothers and sisters, I hope, sitting under me over eight years now, whoever's been here that eight years, but this length of time, that you shall know that you're loved by God. That you'll know him. He thinks you're wonderful. You're amazing. How do you know that? Because he gave a son for you. Christ died for you. And when you're at your lowest and your weakest and you're broken, you think, well, and the amount of people said to me, and I thought, I have to say something about this because I want to, maybe some will listen to it online and they say they do. The amount of people who were coming up and saying to me things like, I, 
I don't know if God would ever forgive my past. And they're claiming to be saved. I go, you're saved, aren't you? Yeah. I says, and you're forgiven. I says, don't demean the power of the blood of Jesus. And if there's someone here and you're struggling with something that happened in your past and you can't get over it in the sense that you feel I've let the Lord have sinned or it's been a big thing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's under the blood of Christ. You're saved. You may feel, it may break you at times. It's under the blood of Jesus. Don't belittle the power of the blood of the Lamb. Because every time you do that, the old devil's telling you lies. And some of these people are hearing voices saying, ah, he doesn't love you. Or you'll never be used by him. The amount of people tell me, and mostly women. Now listen, sisters, the devil's a liar. He wants to use every one of you. He wants to use you for his glory, but I'm weak. Good, because then he'll have the glory. Look, people have said to me before, you know, I'll get up to, to speak or I'll get up to testify or I've got up to sing or whatever. And I felt I couldn't and I just don't feel like I could this morning. And I say, well, you know, it's your best time. You know why? Because then you're not relying on self. You're not relying on you because when you and I are feeling great, we rely a little bit on ourselves. Let's be honest. But see, when you know you have to get up and you're at your worst, you're saying, Lord, see if you don't. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about this. And when he does, then you realize the excellency of the power of God is of him. You know, it's of him. It's not of you. So when Paul writes this, he, he then he, he mentions that through our vessels, our broken vessels, through our earthen vessels, it's for the glory of God. For the glory of God. That God will build you up for his glory. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to mention a couple of things and then... In a few weeks' time, I'm going to do another message completely because of, of a few instances through the Scriptures where God told his people to break earthen vessels for one reason or another. And God tells, for example, uh, whenever we were, to, we, we were to go to into the Old Testament uh, and go to the, the book of uh, Joshua, um, and, pardon me, Judges, sorry, and he, he, he tells them to break the, to get in to break the vessels, the the clay vessels, with the light inside them. If that vessel wasn't broken, the light wouldn't shine forth. Remember, all the enemies around in the camp and, and the Israelites are, are, are in their 30,000, 32,000 uh, and they're, they're whittled right down to 300 by God because God's saying, you know, it's when you're at your smallest and it's when you're at your weakest, then you'll see my power. But if you're like a 30-odd thousand, 32,000 size of an army and you're coming against this other big army, if you get the victory, you'll say, our own arm got us the victory. And see, when you're in your strength, you can say, or we're all together. Whenever you're on your own, it matters. Because then you're saying, well, well, if we're all together and we're here and we're praising, we're, we're conscious of his presence, we'll say, well, it's our own arm got us the victory. But see, when you go home, you shut the door and, and, and you're on your own. It's then you need to be able to say, well, Lord, you're the same here as what you were when we were praising you in worship. This person came to me, came up for prayer on Friday night. 
I'm all right when I'm here. But when I go home, I'm hearing voices telling me to kill myself. I says, whose voice are you hearing now? I hear in the voice of the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow, and the first one, me. I says, okay. So you're hearing the shepherd's voice. You've come up here. The Lord's brought you here. Yes. I says, see the same voice you're hearing here? See when you go home? I says, see, even though these are playing, and we're, they're, these are singing, and, uh, and we're praying with you, and you're in company, when you go home, this was, this was a young person now. I says, the same God who speaks to you here is the same God who will speak to you there. And I see all other voices that you're hearing saying, kill yourself. I says, they're a liar. They're a liar. And it's as if the light came on. I knew all I said. I says, you don't think God loves you, do you? And the first man, I says, that's a lie too. The person was no longer down to their mummy, came up and started praying for the mummy. You, you remember them, people? And they couldn't get over what, just by speaking, telling them, speaking life, that Christ loves them, that they belong to the Savior, that the voices they hear are voices of the liar, the father of lies, the devil, and that the shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life for them, to listen for his voice, for he would lead them and guide them. And they were breaking. People were breaking. They were just couldn't get over this. I don't know what people are being told around the country, brothers and sisters. And I'm not saying there's many good places, don't get me wrong. But some people aren't getting it into them. And I'm trusting you. I, don't want, I wouldn't like to think that you're going and thinking God doesn't love you. He loves every single one of you. From the front to the back, up to the end here. Right across to the back here. Right up to here. Every single one up and down the lines. He loves you. When he, when he breaks or either allows earthen vessels to be broken, when he does that, he does it that his glory will be made known in your life. Whatever you're going through, now listen, I know there's sin in the camp sometimes and God must deal with that. If you're saved and you're a child of God, God will chasten you. He'll chase you through his word. And if you don't listen to his word, he'll bring it again maybe. And if you don't listen to it, God will be gracious and kind and may give you a space. And after a while, if that is not changed, God may chase you with a rod because you're his child. Let's read this scripture. And as we read it, we'll, we'll, we'll close this up and let you get home this morning. I had a whole lot there to say and I thought, that's just not where I'm going this morning. Don't know why I've hovered around this area. I feel this is for someone or for people to understand. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read this through. I'll make a couple of comments. And I think just to know this morning, to take it in your heart, to take it on board and say, Lord, you do love me. Lord, you will forgive me. 
Brothers and sisters, you know me. I believe wholeheartedly in living right before God. And I believe in the truth of the word. And I believe if someone isn't living according to the truth, God will take it. And you know me. I've preached that long enough with you. We also must let you know this morning that you're loved. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which he speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, if you want to know what he's saying here, you've forgotten. They were told before. Where were they told before? You've been told before. And where is it saying the word they've been told before? Proverbs chapter 3, 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12. If you write it down, it says the same. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, for you know, if you're children of God, he's going to chasten you. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I, I don't chasten other people's children. And you don't chasten other people's children. We chasten our own children, or we should do. Bring them into line. And if we don't, then we're not caring for them in that sense. Chastening children is part of God's plan for society, by the way. Chastening the children, that's why we've got so many renegades in our society today. God chases his children. I don't chase the next door neighbor's children. And you don't do that. So if God is chasing you, then you're his child. Notice what it says here. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Notice the word scourgeth. In other words, God brings it upon you and hardships may come. A scourge is a whip. God doesn't sit you in the naughty seat. Hello? God doesn't say there's a naughty step. Go and stand on it or put your face against the wall or something. God takes the scourging rod out and scourges. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all our partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. In other words, you're illegitimate. In other words, if the word of God is not speaking to you, then you're not his. If the word of God doesn't have any effect and change you, and you live on the way you're living, you're not his. You're a bastard, an illegitimate child, a pretender. I want to make it sure that all parents know children, that is not a bad word in this sense. Because some children would say it, it is not a bad word in this sense. But don't say it, because in your sense it may be, or in other senses. Now notice this. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us 
and we give them reverence, how shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now you notice, let me stop here. Let's be honest, sometimes the kids get on your wick. There's one of my daughters in particular, and not mention which one it was, but it was the eldest one. <clears throat> she had her own wee mind, still does. And Daddy used to place her on the naughty step, didn't he? <laughs> no. <laughs> Daddy used to chasten her. Now, the younger one, she really was. Uh, Maybe she learned. <laughs> Maybe she saw and learned. But the older one, well, let's just say uh, she learned. And sometimes we can't stick the way they're getting on anymore. And sometimes out of our flesh we can do that. That's most where we must be careful. Chastening and chastising is not the abuse. And we did it for their own good, but sometimes it was to shut them up for our sake, isn't it? To make them behave for our sake. After Alison had prayed with me yesterday, guess what she says to me? Will you take me down the town? And you know, I don't do shopping. <laughs> Why toilet town Belfast? We'd done, I think, two shops and I came home again. And they went into Primark. And I stand at the door. Well, stand outside and it started raining. There's open air, and I stood beside them at the open air listening to what they were preaching. And the rain came on, and I stood in the doorway, and I seen this woman. They're helping. Everybody was packing in the doors. And the woman was coming out with this child, and the child was hanging. You know? And he was quite big, like, you know, he's, he must have been eight or nine. And she's like this, and he's hanging, and he just wouldn't walk. And she had him to the arm. And all over, all you could hear from the far end, she was dragging him up, and she was. Pushing a child in the body, I was <laughs> the whole way through the shop, and at the end she couldn't hold him. And just about here to there from me, she let the child down on the floor. And people were standing outside in the rain trying to get in the doors. And, he was <laughs> and I seen the woman; she didn't know what to do. And she started sort of going like this. What am I going to do with him? She's actually starting to move away from him. He was that bad. To be honest, like I thought. I know what I do with him. <laughs> I know what I do with him. Just being honest. That's in fiction. You see, the problem is, Spurgeon said, send us a brat that nobody wants to own. Like him on the floor. Nobody wants to own it. It's not my fault. Not my sin. Not my problem. I didn't do it. And I think the more the cry about it, the further apart people come from it. But that's not the way it works, brothers and sisters. God doesn't say, I'll stand apart. And you can cry there for a while, and I'll cry. And then if you despise me in my name, here's my chastening, and he chastens. But listen, that doesn't mean to say he doesn't love you. 
he does it because he does love you. He does it because he does love you. What are you going through at the moment? If God's word has been speaking to you, or God has been speaking to you in prayer and you're reading his word, what has he been saying to you? Because if you're not yielding to it, you may be under the chastisement of God. If you haven't got yourself right, if you haven't put it right, you may be under the chastisement of God. There's so many things in our lives that God will chasten us. Do we get it right? Do we get, do we get off the floor and stop kicking and screaming? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it, or I'm not gonna go there, and I see after what he said this morning, I'm not going to church. I fell out with him. Well, that's okay, follow me all you want. But he'll still speak to you. He'll still deal with you. Until you get it right. I'm doing this for our benefit. I'm doing it for your benefit, for mine. You might say, well, this isn't a very encouraging word. Oh, yes, it is. Because it's saying if you are feeling this, if you are knowing this, if you are hearing this, then you're his. What more encouraging than that? If you are being dealt with, then you're his. What's more encouraging than that? And if you are, you're being chastened because you're his child, and it's because he loves you, and it's for your benefit, that you'll be a partaker of his holiness. That's what the scripture says. Look at what it says here in verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, you'll come out of this when you start yielding to God. And you'll start to know the benefit of it when you yield to God. And here's what verse 12 tells us. Wherefore. See, when you read wherefore in the scriptures, read the verses previous again. Read the verses previous again. So all that we have talked about, so because of that, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. I'm broken. You're broken to the glory of God. You're broken to be a partaker of his holiness. You're broken because you're his son. You're broken because you're his daughter. You're broken for his holiness and for his glory. The idea here is this, you are broken for your profit. For your profit. Now the last verse is this. Listen. Make straight paths for your feet. Get it right. Yield to him in spirit. No matter what he's telling you, do it. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Unless, how many times does God tell you, I'll do this if you start getting back to your first love. I'll do this if you start turning back to me. I'll do this if you start coming into the place of prayer. I'll do this if you start coming and having fellowship with me. I'll do this if you start being faithful to your calling again. I'll do this if you start coming to your meetings on a regular basis the way you were at the start. And all those things you've let fall away. He says, because what happens? The old leg starts to go a-wandering. You go the way that your leg will take you. God says, make a straight path. You can't walk like this here, you know. And that's what God is telling us this morning. I love you, and he says, and this is why I'm doing this. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. A lame foot dragging will drag you down, hold you back, and pull you to the side. Now notice this. 
lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Did you hear that? You know what's happening? See if we hold grievance, bitterness, anger in our hearts. You have a lame foot. (laughs) You're walking with a lame foot. I want to walk with you, Lord. But that leg's putting me to bitterness, grievance, anger. But Lord, I want to do what I want you to anoint me, Lord. But there's your bitterness, your grievance, and your anger. The Lord says, no, it doesn't work like that. He says, make it straight. He says, and put your feet in the right direction. Get right with me, and we'll walk together. Let the bitterness be healed. Let the hurt be healed. Whatever's happened, let it be healed. And see what he does for you. Listen, the Lord bless you. We'll stop there.